0: Hello, I'm Howard Phillips Lovecraft, and despite all my warning, you're listening to Microphones of Madness.
1: Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there. Steve. Hey. And today we're talking Iron Fist. Yes, um, I
0: love that album. That's my favorite Motorhead album.
1: Not not that Iron Fist, the, uh, the Marvel Netflix television series Iron Fist, oh, right. starring right. Lemmy Kilminster.
0: <laughs> they didn't even play that song. I hate when that
1: happens. <laughs> Danny Rand has never heard of Iron Fist or Motorhead.
0: Uh, yes, he could have. He was definitely old enough before he he left to have heard Iron um, to have heard
1: Motorhead. No, nah, he likes he likes some Outcasts and stuff like that. So,
0: you're already painting him as a one-dimensional character. All he does is listen to rap.
1: All he does is listen to rap and <laughs> does kung fu. That's him. He's, he's, got, he's got two dimensions.
0: He's like cultural appropriation all over the board, right off Jump Street. Well, he's a, white, a rich white kid listening to rap and doing kung fu. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, a lot of 10-year-olds listen to the... I mean, they listed his playlist. A lot of 10-year-olds listen to that stuff. It's all over the radio.
0: <laughs>
1: all right. It's
0: all out of my system now.
1: <laughs> well, it's not quite out of my system because Roy Thomas really stuck his foot in his mouth. Oh, Jesus
0: fucking Christ. For, you know what? I I like Roy Thomas. I really like his Conan work. It's great. Mm -hmm. I can't, he is like, if, if Robert E. Howard isn't writing Conan, I'm glad Roy Thomas was the successor to Conan, to Conan. That being said, what the actual fuck? He's also apparently the cultural sensitivity successor to Robert E. Howard as well, (laughs) because Roy Thomas um, basically said, um, I don't have the
1: quote. Do you have the quote? I don't have the quote handy. You can just paraphrase him.
0: Yeah, he he basically doesn't understand what the big deal is um, about I, Danny Rand in the at all in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, which we, well, I guess we'll have to get into that as well. But uh, in in doing so, <laughs> he uh, he basically was talking about the Orientals.
1: Yeah, I mean. Really really and truly, I mean he he, he looked at the, the cultural appropriation argument of Iron Fist and had started out trying to make a point and then he, he just trumped the whole thing up. With fucking Orientals. <laughs> yeah, I mean I don't even know that's fucking word anymore. Yeah, and I don't, and know, it, and I don't know if knows, that's how Roy Thomas talks, but and that's the
0: thing is he knew from the context of the article he knew what he said isn't considered polite conversation anymore. Mm-hmm. Yet he doubled down and said, "I'm going to use the word anyway." Right. So fuck you, Roy Thomas. Yeah,
1: Roy Thomas, of course, being uh, one of the creators of Iron Fist. Okay.
0: So the the whole
1: controversy. Over Iron Fist,
0: um, is that he's a white kid who acts as a savior to a a kung fu monastery full of Asian people.
1: Hmm. Now, we didn't really see much of Kunlun, you know, so we don't know for a fact that it's all Asian people because they seem to not really have too much of a problem with Danny, right. even we've though seen, they considered him an outsider.
0: We've seen three, no, four people, maybe right. five people from Kunlun.
1: Mm-hmm. The
0: two monks that rescued him, who were definitely Asian. Right. Um, his Davos,
1: master,
0: right, right. His master, who, who was Asian as well, and so. Davos, who who was Asian, but he was a uh, Indian Asian. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't, he wasn't, uh, well and here's the other thing. Kung Lung is located sometimes in Tibet. Yeah. Or or Nepal, right? It's Nepal, right?
1: Uh, somewhere in the Himalayas. Yeah, it's Nepal or Tibet. It's kinda and... like the spot where Doctor Strange goes goes, where the ancient one lives. It's kinda like there but not really there. Right. So, you know, it's not really tied to geography.
0: Right. Or uh or where Arrow
1: goes. Right, it's like non-depart. But, you know, right. it's, it's in Canada. It's in British it's Columbia. In
0: <laughs> it's in the the Canadian Himalayas. <laughs> <laughs> but now, the, the thing is, like the people that they're showing us in the TV series don't quite fit the bill of the geography either. Right. So, and and uh, it's kind. Of, I don't know if that's a strike against the TV show in terms of just not doing research or being lazy, or if it's a strike for the TV show where it's like you said, it's like just this abstract place where people end up.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean also generically Asian could be a strike against it as well. You know, uh, we've got some South Asian folks. We've got, you know, Chinese folks. We've got Nepalese folks or Nepali. I I forget which one's the proper. Um yeah. So it's like that whole Well, the, the Nepal Tibet area is a, is a strange geography as it right. is. It's in the Himalayas, but you know that area borders on China, borders right. on India and
0: right. If if you're going to have um I guess cultural physical cultural identity it is a melting pot potish sort of an area
1: It's like the monastic version of New York City
0: <laughs> that's right now I, I just I don't know if it is a malicious thing well I'm sure it's not malicious if it is a conscious effort on the show to be diverse because I also read that of all the the marble. Shows this one was actually had the most diverse cast,
1: yeah, yeah, I would say so, I mean, Daredevil was pretty much all white, yeah, um you know Jessica Jones was pretty much all white with uh, well, love- Luke Cage and uh Rosario Dawson, yeah, but you know, yeah, it was more of the New York as a melting pot. And I, I like the fact that there were so many Red Hook references. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we all love
1: Red Hook. Because, um, yeah, I mean, you know, Lovecraft hated that place, and I know he would have been turning in his grave to see Danny Rand, the the prototypical wasp, doing so much hanging out in Red Hook.
0: Yeah. I think... Actually, I don't know. Maybe I think her dojo might have actually
1: been in Chinatown, but it was really hard to say. They didn't give a good. They're not doing very well with um, geography in the Marvel Netflix shows. Um, in the Marvel comics, you know, all the superheroes they pretty much stick to certain neighborhoods, right? And the artists and, and writers were very, because they were all New Yorkers. We're very um, exacting in including landmarks from those neighborhoods. Well,
0: yes, there's two reasons for that. A, because it keeps them out of each other's hair, so you don't have to have Daredevil running across Spider-Man every other panel. Right. And B, it helps sales because you know where the Flatiron building is. And, oh, wow, Marvel's got the Flatiron building. It's so
1: cool. Hey, look, it's Daredevil fighting somebody on top of the Flatiron building. Exactly. Yeah, and and that that helps too. I mean, that's that's why uh, you know the Empire, you know, Spider-Man always fights somebody at the Empire State Building but,
0: because it's familiar. It's, and, right. and they they try they do erase a little bit of that familiarity. Hmm. Uh, and that might just be because of where it's built.
1: Yeah. Don't doesn't Marvel shoot in like Atlanta or something?
0: Yeah. I don't. It's. I don't think it's filmed in Marvel. So we have this diverse cast, we have this amorphous monastery, but none of that is really what's pissing people off about this series.
1: No, well, there's there's two angles to the to the pissing off people. You know, this has a rather low Rotten Tomatoes score, um, although the fan reception versus the critical reception, the gap is pretty wide. Yes. Um, it's like 19%, 20% or something like that on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Um, which apparently is a big deal after Josh Trank um, and his four fan four-stick rants against the early reviews. Um, but the critical reception has, you know, been kind of mediocre. I mean, not to the point of, say, Luke Cage. Um, which is weird.
0: Because, yeah. like, the it's the opposite people who are complaining now.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. So what you have is you have the uh, you have folks who have their legitimate complaint against the white savior narrative, right? And then you have f- folks who were like, "Oh, this is a really shitty show. It's poorly written. Danny Rand doesn't look like he actually can do kung fu." Um, you know, I mean, a lot of people beca- suddenly became experts on things like fight choreography, um, strength training, and who uh, doesn't. And Buddhism, apparently. Uh, you know, monastic uh protocols and whatnot. Uh in, in their critique of the show. And really, I don't want to touch on, you know, other than the fact that it's there, it's it's legit, and people, you know, it's a complaint that, you know, has some legs. Um, with the uh, oh. cultural appropriation white savior thing. I mean, there's there's really no reason to to try to Justify it, and there's no reason to try to like counteract it.
0: No, because it really, I mean, going back to uh, going back to the origins of Iron Fist, that that, that those are really where the character came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he's always had that white savior aspect to the character, and I realize that they're trying they, they were just trying to create a comic book hero that. To cash in on kung fu,
1: yeah, um, movies. I mean, is- Iron Fist was 19, uh, 1974. Yeah, uh, one of the heights of the kung fu movie movie craze. You know, you had several, a couple of Bruce Lee movies were out in that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had tons of Shaw Brothers productions being released, um, and yeah, it was it had gone crazy. I mean, Marvel created like two characters right around the same time. They had Shang Chi, Master of Kung Fu, and they had the Iron Fist. And apparently Iron Fist was more popular of the two characters.
0: Right. And even even the Iron Fist didn't really last all that long. He, I think he had a short run in Marvel Comics Presents. And right. And he had a 15-issue um, run on his own, Invincible mm-hmm. Iron Fist. And uh, that had to be finished in Marvel Team-Up because no one was buying it.
1: And right. finally,
0: the only thing that saved the character was um, teaming him up with Luke Cage.
1: Right. And they've had a... Su- then that book was actually more successful right. as, as a team book. And uh, Iron Fist got um, a solo series a few years ago with uh, Iron Fist, A Living Weapon. Right. And now right. he's just started this week, I believe, a new Marvel series.
0: So he's not the most... Um, recognized or known character. I think you're going to have people who are nostalgic for Iron Fist because he was a comic book back in the day that people could say they read. Mm-hmm. Not many people could say they read it, apparently. But right. you know, people can say they read it, and you know, I checked out a couple of them um, over the over the past couple of days, and really, it's Chris Claremont wrote wrote them. The mm-hmm. early issues and John Byrne did the did the uh, art, the pencils, and you know, it's it's like a Chris Claremont men- melange. It's like it has barely has a story keeping it together. It's not the greatest written comic book in the world. Sorry, X Men fans. <laughs> but,
1: well, you know, it's it's also there was there was also the timing of of Iron Fist. You know, they announced the the first images of Finn Jones as Danny Rand came out around the same time as the the Ghost in the Shell debacle and yeah. the whole casting of Tilda Swinton as the Ancient One, and and it's just like Danny ended up being like the the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. Um, and I think
0: I think that's probably the 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 easiest target as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's not a, a multi-million-dollar movie.
1: No, it's it, not a it's, it's not a multi-million-dollar show dollar
0: that movie. that is guaranteed that season, um, and it's guaranteed he's guaranteed a role on Defenders, and mm-hmm. that's it.
1: Pretty much, yeah. That's and all you see of the character. They
0: don't do a shitload of marketing for those shows, so you don't really see a lot of of uh, of the new Defenders. Action figures or T-shirts or any of that stuff that you'll see with the movies.
1: Right. Well, that's good because you know I don't really know if I want to buy my son the Harold Meacham action figure with bloody hammer accessory.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> um. Now, now I will say this. I mean, we're we're talking about it. I mean, it did it did you know generate some discussion. Not, not, but not a whole lot of discussion. Not as much as the positive aspects of Luke Cage generated. Right. Um. And like I said, it's it's a legitimate complaint. Um. You know, just focusing in on not necessarily Iron Fist, but just as that being symptomatic of a wider ranging problem.
0: Right. Uh, oh, you know the thing that Jim Shooter was talking about, and Stan Lee had talked about this as well not mm-hmm. to harp on this is that a lot of people were upset that they did not cast an Asian American as Danny Rand. Right. And, you know, Jim, Sh- I'm sorry, not Jim Shooter. I'm thinking of another dick bag from Marvel. <laughs> um, um, God damn it. Please help me. Cause my mind's farting.
1: Um, I, I don't remember. I don't remember this article or these these statements at all. So, no, the
0: guy, the guy who was who say did that? T- no, no. Anyway, no. he basically said, you know, I don't mind if they had cast him as Asian American, but they didn't. So, you know, if you want to have Asian American or minority or ethnic superheroes, create your own. That's like the big argument. Create yeah. your own, and you know what. I'll say fuck you to that. (laughs) Yeah,
1: okay. I I think I know the argument you're talking about. He was uh, talking about how the legacy heroes Marvel's doing was bullshit. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I'll say fuck you to that argument. And the reason why is because people know these names. People know. Even if it didn't sell, people know who Iron Fist was. People know who Spider-Man is. People Mm. know who Iron Man is. Blah, blah, blah. People know who Wolverine is. People don't know who, I don't know, Starter Set is.
1: Or That's the
0: name I pulled from my my, out right of my ass. He's my new superhero. He's a Jewish superhero. He goes around and pops people in the face with a menorah. His name is Starter Set. Who the fuck knows who that is?
1: Right. The,
0: the amount of work that goes into marketing this guy and having a comic book in the first place getting him published is ridiculous. The chances of that quote unquote ethnic superhero becoming a household name like Spider-Man or Iron Man or Luke Cage or anybody are like slim to fucking none. But if you can take some, some heroes that a aren't really doing anything like iron fist (laughs) and, and recast them, he doesn't even have to be Asian, because frankly, you know, an Asian doing kung fu is a little, a little racist as well. Um, in in a comic book milieu, but K- is non-white. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? What what? How many people are going to be up in arms because Danny Rand isn't white? Right. But it's going to be mean, like, a couple of editors at Marvel. Right. <laughs> That's it.
1: Roy Thomas. Yeah, Roy. Right, that,
0: that, <laughs> Roy Thomas would be pissed off.
1: Um, but on the other hand, on the on the flip side of that, you know, there is the create your own argument, um, or you know, taking characters like Danny Rand, who is arguably fourth tier. Yeah, I mean, if you really sit down and think about it, the Marvel universe is Spider Man. Fantastic Four and X Men were the top tier of Marvel Comics for a very long time. Yeah, those were the most recognizable names. Mm-hmm. The Avengers were were a team of second stringers. Yeah. Uh, you they, know, and, and these guys are were, now
0: all of them were having their com- their comics threatened to be um, um, pulled.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, so no
0: one was buying Tales to Astonish. Because right. who cares about Iron Man?
1: Or or journey in the mystery because right. who gives a fuck about Thor. Right. But I mean, now these are the these are the Marquee characters. Right.
0: And it's so, not like Marvel doesn't take Marquee characters and um change change their ethnicity. You look at Spider-Man. Spider Man right. is, is Cubano now.
1: Yeah, uh, well Spider-Man. That that's that's the point I want to make or Dominican, read, is that, he's Dominican um, Right? that Oh, I believe he's half Hispanic and half black. Uh, okay. Yeah. Miles Morales. But what you have is you you still end up with this kind of ghettoization of the comics if you create your own or you use characters on fourth tier, third tier, whatever, like Danny Rand. Right. And that, you know, these are still not the headliners. And that's the representation that, that really people deserve. Is to have the headliners be, you know, representative of walking out of your front door, rather than you know, okay, sure, we're going to have diverse characters in our comics, but Tony Stark, Steve Rogers, uh, you know, Thor Odinson, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All these characters are going to be white,
0: and it's weird because for a while Marvel was doing a really good job with that. I mean, they took Thor, they took Odin. And and you know gave the role to a woman. Uh, and it Miles. outsold
1: the last issue, last series of Thor.
0: And you had uh, Miles Morales as Spider-Man. You still have Miles Morales as Spider-Man.
1: And um, he's very popular, Spider-Man.
0: Right. And you had you know um, Sam Wilson was Captain America. Hmm. You know and and
1: Kamala Khan is Ms. Marvel.
0: Right. So I'm. Um, did they? Oh no, that was DC. So, it's not like they don't do this. Right. So, why is everybody so upset about Danny Rand?
1: Mm, I, I think it's because because of the, the viralness of the Marvel shows. Um, the critical acclaim of the Marvel shows. You know, the, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is just like, it's like this money-making powerhouse. And people will go to watch it for the spectacle of it. But the Marvel shows have, from the first season of Daredevil and Jessica Jones, had established this, uh, you know, baseline for taking comic book characters and making their stories relatable, right? Okay. And and more down to earth. So there's a, there was a lot of there was a lot of critical acclaim for Daredevil season one, Jessica Jones, and even Luke Cage. So it's it's like. Everybody okay. I know fights ninjas
0: all the time.
1: Right. So you have, you know, the the big powerhouse blockbuster money makers that you know they're going to people are going to go see them regardless. It's all about the spectacle. But then you have the more personal storytelling of the Marvel Cinematic Universe or the Mar- Netflix universe, and so people cast a little more scrutiny on it, possibly.
0: Um, well. I know personally, I would rather watch any four of those shows than most of the Marvel films,
1: with the exception of uh, Daredevil season two.
0: Yeah, well, I, I even Daredevil season two was more enjoyable than Age of Ultron. Well, yeah, <laughs> or or the Avengers movie.
1: I, I, you know, honestly, I would rather watch the Avengers movie than than Daredevil season two. I would rather watch Thor: The Dark World. Than Daredevil, uh, season yeah,
0: Daredevil season two. Daredevil season two was pretty bad. <laughs>
1: um, so now we get to the second half of the complaint. I mean, okay. Well, actually, we'll go back to this for just for a second. In that, yeah, Marvel ended up taking their top shelf characters and making them more diverse, rather than something something like, say, DC did, and you know. Yeah, they made Doctor Fate an actual Egyptian. Right. Well but. DC has
0: always had taken second tier characters and and fucked with them. Right. And by fucked with them I meant like experimented with with ethnicity or gender.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: I mean you have you know, the backup Green Lantern is a black man. But he's right. the backup Green Lantern.
1: But he's the most but, popular Green Lantern as well. That's true.
0: You have Kid Flash now is is black man.
1: Or a mm. black kid. And that's the version you see on television. Right. That's
0: the version you see on television, and now it's in the comics. Or well, I guess it was in the comics first.
1: Yeah, it was New 52 Wally West. And now there's like two America. Wally Wests. But Right. There's the original honky Wally West, and then there's African-American honky. Wally West.
0: I wouldn't call him a honky. I'd call him a Midwestern white bread kid. I and mean, that's what he is. He's just white bread. That's Wally West.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, Marvel is taking taking the marquee characters. You're never going to see a black Batman,
0: Uh, except for
1: just imagine Stan. Stan,
0: Just imagine Stan Lee inventing the DC Universe as Batman was black. Right. Well,
1: but you know
0: what? Even even that couldn't save (laughs) that
1: that series. Right. And DC has their top their top 3 characters, their top shelf characters, the trinity, Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman. These characters are never going to change from what they are.
0: Oh hell no. And and every time they even thought about it, people like are up in arms.
1: Right. I mean, okay, yeah, Diana is be- looking more Greek these days. I will say that. But that's about as far as it's gonna go for DC.
0: Well, geez, remember when, when Azrael was Batman and like the complaints of that?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, you're not gonna see you're not gonna see these three characters from DC change. Marvel, on the other hand, um, you know, they took Captain America, who was now a top shelf marquee character at following the films, and made Sam Wilson Captain America.
0: And that made Steve Rogers a Nazi.
1: Right. And the n- Iron Man is now a... a teenage African, girl. Teenage girl. African American. Genius. You know, that, that sort of thing. They're taking these top shelf characters and experimenting with them, and and uh, shoot, I forget what her real name is, but uh, okay. Thor. All right. Natalie Portman's character.
0: Oh, it's... Uh God damn, it, it's his, his love interest from, like, the entire series.
1: Right. Uh, well, she's Thor, still, whatever. from what whatever. I understand.
0: Yeah. You can see how much Marvel and DC have, like, retained our interest in two years of this program. Well, and, like, they've, crashed and burned so hard that we don't even know what's going on.
1: Well, it's, it's not just that. It's, you know... I'm not saying that you know these series were bad because they changed them over. I was happy that Sam Wilson was Captain No, no,
0: no. Don't get me wrong. I just think that the writing and the editorial decisions uh, in terms of like overarching plots are mm-hmm. horrible in both Marvel and DC. I can't stand reading them anymore. And it's not the characters. It's the writing.
1: Right. But then you had on, on, on the other side of that coin, you have um, Black Panther. Being right. you know, who was who was argue, always second string, and now he is a marquee character because of you know There's his little bit part in Civil War. Yeah,
0: well, he and, was like the best part of Civil War.
1: Yes, In Spider Man. Hmm. And then he was propelled into the spotlight, and he had a very uh, good series written by Coates, dealing with a lot of the internal in workings of Wakanda.
0: And I, I guess I can't say that like, it's all shit. It's just like 99% shit.
1: Right. And, it, it's, it's like DC. And, there's so many titles. You know, There's going to be something good. Right. In, in it has to be. That many it, titles. It's
0: just so much crap. Not, I think a lot of it has to do with trying to, to keep consistency across the comic book end of things and the visual movie TV mm-hmm. end of things. Right. Uh, Because more people are reached through the movies and through television. Right. Like in terms of dollars.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Not necessarily in terms of quality um, quality consumption of entertainment.
1: Right. Well, I mean, and, and in that respect, you have the MCU breaking in billions of dollars for Disney Marvel. Right. And, okay, this is a place where. These versions of the characters can exist, which makes it open for us to turn around and screw around with these characters in you know, the no comics, right. do something a little bit different.
0: Well, but they want they want people to buy the comics,
1: right? So they, so, so they, they still have to have make, to make it, it good.
0: They have to make it familiar. It doesn't have to be good; it has right. to be familiar because right. you're going to have people who are going to who are just going to they want their Batman to be. You know, the Batman they see on TV, they want him to be Christopher Nolan's Batman. And they want him to act like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and if he doesn't, they're not buying the comics. And there's a, there's a far more of those people than there are um, people who enjoy reading Batman comics for their own reasons.
1: Well, you know, I want DCAU Batman. Yeah, you know, I would Batman the animated series. Batman.
0: Yeah, I mean that was definitely one of the best Batmans.
1: Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, and I think I think that what they're trying to do is they they were trying to uh, do that with DC as well, and Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman didn't work out well. Yeah, and so they brought back the pre. Flashpoint Superman, who is the ultimate Boy Scout again? Right. Who people? Well, but people like that Superman.
0: Hmm. And there's nothing wrong with liking that. Hell, I didn't like that Superman until I was faced with the uh, new Fifty Two Superman. Now I like the Boy Scout.
1: Right. It was I like want the Boy Scout. When he appeared on Supergirl, it was just like, "Whoa!" Yeah, because that's Superman, fucking Superman.
0: Because Superman doesn't need to be edgy.
1: Right, he's fucking Superman.
0: <laughs> but back back to the the matter at hand. Sorry,
1: right, we kind of lost it, there. The, the no, same, it comes in. It comes in with keeping up with the times.
0: Well, and then yeah. the, the second part of this is a lot of people have criticisms about plot, and uh, you know the the big the big ones that I read were um, the the flashbacks. They keep on showing the same flashback.
1: Um, yeah, most of the flashbacks that you see in Iron Fist are Danny Rand's fucking childhood trauma. Yeah. And and the events directly surrounding that. You see what? a couple of little bits and bobs of Kun Lun. Um, like later like the cave. Yeah, later on in the series. Here's
0: the thing. Most of the criticism that I've read in terms of plot mm-hmm. and pacing and all that are, was written before the show was released...
1: To the wide audience, yeah. To the cool. wide
0: audience, and only six episodes were shown, were released mm-hmm. to people. So they, they have less than half of these series to criticize the whole series. Mm-hmm. And if you watch the whole series, all the things that they're so crazy pissed off about actually start to make sense later on as the show progresses. And shame on these people or not. I'll include myself in that because you know I've been known. I look at Preacher. I judged it on three episodes
1: mm-hmm.
0: and thought it was horrible.
1: And said oh, you so you thought it was horrible after the first episode? That's true. Well, I do it too. I mean, hell, everybody knows that my my famous uh, I hated Stranger Things after 15 seconds. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. But so,
0: but but really, you know the the, the PTSD flashbacks. Makes sense if you watch the whole thing. And it's not like filler, mm-hmm. which is what people were saying. It's like, oh, they didn't have enough to write, so they kept on doing the same flashback. Well, you know, it becomes part of the actual plot.
1: Right. Exactly. And and another thing is that Iron Fist was paced almost exactly the same as Daredevil. Daredevil and Iron Fist are supposed to be bookends for this uh, development of the characters that we'll see in Defenders.
0: But that's the thing that you have to ask yourself. Have you been watching these series? Because they're all paced like that. Mm-hmm. They all have the same... It's a formula that they've been using. That It's it's a slow burn with cliffhangers.
1: Yeah. It's and like a comic book.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, you get, you get something like... Uh, I think it's episode two or three... That focuses uh, heavily on Colleen Wing by herself. Yeah, that's what you got in the comic books. You would get eight pages that's just that character for a right. little while. That and it's called character development.
0: Yeah, and there's like three or four plots that are going on in this one series.
1: Mm-hmm. Major plots. As as with all of them.
0: Uh, yeah, and I, you know, I don't, I don't know. If pe- it's it's. A failure of people to to watch television series, or maybe it's a failure of people. Maybe it's like a, a indicative of binge watching.
1: I I think it could be. I mean, you know, of, these first six episodes were, you know, they were released to the critics the week before. They they watched them. They they criticized them, um, and I really don't know what they were expecting. I suppose. That you know, they were going by the teases because once again, you know, Iron Fist is a fourth tier character, nobody knows who the fuck Iron Fist was right. before even being announced on this show. So they got okay, it's a kung fu guy, and they figured there was going to be big action fight scenes, you know, over the top, and that's all it was going to be wire work and all kinds of crazy shit. And, in and every it episode, wasn't, it
0: wasn't great. It was like there were fights, but they were Marvel's defender-first fights, mm-hmm. really. I mean, the fights were on par with the rest of the fights in the whole series, with the exception of Daredevil 2, because that sucked.
1: Right. Now, there was a, there's another thing to add into this, is that Daredevil, or not Daredevil, Iron Fist was almost canceled. Um, Daredevil Season 2 came out. There was a lot of speculation that because they picked up an extra season of Daredevil, they were not going to do Iron Fist before Defenders. And and it kind of languished in this, you know, haze of we're not doing it. We're going to do it. We're not doing it. And then all of a sudden we're doing it. Finn Jones is our guy. And next thing you know, the show's got a release date. They've already started shooting and, and all of this was going on. So I think there's some... Aspect of it being rushed and that making them really lean on that Marvel Netflix formula a lot more in structuring the series. It could be. And I think that's one of the reasons why you know Finn Jones not extremely buff guy. No, he, um, he, you can probably what? you can probably figure out what order the fight scenes were shot in because some of his fight scenes are done really well some of his fight scenes he just doesn't look like he's skilled enough to be in that fight scene right um like for example his first appearance where he fights the guards at Rand international and you know without touching them
0: right a lot of was well a of, done a lot of dodge and push
1: yeah a lot of redirection going on there yeah. and then you had his fights with the Guys during the parade, and you saw him you know take it strategically, isolate them in the crowd, pull them off into alleys and beat them up, and then get back into the crowd and go after the next one, hunting and picking them off one by one you know that's you know that's good strategy, Daredevil would not be doing that no, Daredevil just go
0: and hound them until either he went or they did
1: so so what you have is you have. You know, a character, you know, Luke Cage would have just intimidated his opponents with his right. size and invulnerability. Um, Jessica Jones, there weren't a whole hell of a lot of fight scenes in that show. That That's bare, not what it was about. More of a cerebral show. Right. And so Daredevil, <laughs> you know, would have just charged straight through the front door and beat up everybody and gotten the snot kicked out of him at the same time. Right. And, 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 and- Shows a different
0: character. And he did. Because Claire fixed up Daredevil a hell of a whole lot more than she touched Danny Rand.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you have, so you have not only different settings for each of these shows, they, they work at developing the character to be different. I mean, yeah, I think a lot of people were expecting Danny Rand to come out of it being this master martial artist who, you know, takes people out like Van Damme or Chuck Norris or something like that. You know, some of these types of actors in, in martial arts or Jet Li or Donnie, Yen, et cetera, et cetera. Um but that type of fighting was already done in Daredevil where you just take on all comers. Right. And and it also sets up Danny as a contrast to Davos. In the later part of the series,
0: right. well, also-
1: is the guy who wants to take on all comers right. all at once, and Danny will run and think about it more tactically. Sometimes, sometimes, because, sometimes he just gets ahead of himself. Well,
0: and then I think people don't
1: didn't realize
0: that they put nuance into the character himself. So mm-hmm. Danny Rand isn't like. Like you said, he's not a mindless blob that comes in and fights, and that's it. He's a he's a ten year old kid, basically, who whose emotional development was pretty much stopped.
1: Right, and, and they, at, at ten years old, that.
0: when he started getting the shit kicked out of him every day by monks, and he was taught to to suppress his emotions. Mm-hmm. This happened after episode six, so people who who, who didn't get this revelation or, and weren't really paying attention because it's obvious. Right. It's obvious if you're watching it, if you're paying attention that he's not like a whole person.
1: Right. He's He's, fractured. He's he's he's, very complex.
0: He's, he's, he's a lot of him is like this kid lashing out Mm -hmm. and, and, and his enemies know it, especially Madame Gao totally knows it and totally uses it to her advantage. Right.
1: But then again, you know, his He There's a lot of it to him. He has yeah, on the one hand, he has that emotional stoppage there at ten years old. Pretty much he has that, that PTSD from the plane crash and the death of his parents. Um he's brought into this monastery where He's, you know, as part of his physical condition, he's beaten. He is taught to repress his emotions, which is how the monks of Kunlun control people. If, you know, as you progress through the series and they introduce Davos, um, who is later to become the Steel Serpent, um, both of them, without the presence of, I mean, without the presence of those masters, both of them have a difficult time maintaining that control mm-hmm. that that they were taught to do.
0: And really Davos ends up ultimately failing. You know? Right.
1: Davos ends up ultimately failing because his you could say that his, you know, the emotions that he's trying to suppress are far more powerful than the anger Danny's trying to repress. Because maybe it is a childish anger that he's trying to repress and once he's able to let it go.
0: Well, and Danny also has a support system. Mm-hmm. Um, however however poor it is, he does have a support system.
1: Well, it sounds to me that uh, his support system in New York is better than the monks of Kun Lun. Right. I mean, he had that that challenge that Madame Gao issued where he had to go through and he did the Game of Death type of sequence. The right. episode directed by the Rizza, by the way. Right. And his his master, uh his master. Mm-hmm. Is, he turned is, his, back on hmm Well, he's turned he turned his back on him at the end. Yeah. But he's Danny's relying on him throughout this entire sequence. Yeah. And really they don't tell us whether or not that is really his master or if that is a hallucination. That's true. I mean, for all we know,
0: way, his master
1: must- astrally traveled to that duel.
0: Either way, he has this, it has the same effect on Danny,
1: hmm.
0: Um, metaphor or real. Yes. He, he, it isolates him. It, it ends up isolating him.
1: Right. But, on the other hand, you have Danny as being the most genuinely kind of all the characters in the Marvel Netflix universe.
0: That's true. And I don't know if that's because he's kind or if he's just a uh, you know, 10-year-old
1: kid. I, I think it's because he's genuinely kind. You know, um it sounds to me perfectly within the Buddhist tenets of compassion to sit there in that boardroom and say, Why are we going to charge fifty dollars for a five-dollar pill that's gonna save people's lives? Let's do that. You know, in that in that one move that out Bruce Wayne to Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, is was it Out a ten year old kid?
0: Out Jack Bishop, Jack Bishop.
1: Yep. Now you know when he met the uh, the woman whose son was suffering from cancer, was that the just the kindness of a ten year old child, or was that a person who really believed that uh, he was doing the right
0: thing? I think that might have been a combination because it came to bite him on the in the ass and it was it came from the request not by the woman who made it but by the person who who prompted her to make it was from a a place of trying to take advantage of danny's kindness
1: right right but danny also you know danny's not concerned with material things at all
0: no well he's a billionaire so
1: well he keeps saying that he keeps saying that and but it doesn't seem like he cares that he's a billionaire
0: He doesn't, but he does because he ends up buying the dojo.
1: Right, he (laughs) buys the dojo because you know that I think that is the ten-year-old with a lot of money. Right, and you know he
0: orders takeout from like the best restaurant in New York. Right, and and it hires the staff to to (laughs) deliver it on on like you know silver plates and everything. So,
1: well, I think that's something his dad did as well. Right, at one point or another. Oh, he's a billionaire.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, right. he, he cares right. enough that he does stuff like that. So, I mean, I don't think he's like divested himself from being a billionaire,
1: right? Like, he didn't buy he didn't buy Colleen's dojo, you know, to, to fuck with her, to fuck with her. He bought right. it so right. she
0: wouldn't have to pay rent, right? He he he's not Tony Stark, right? <laughs> Clearly, he's not Tony Stark,
1: you so know. He's, so in, in a way, his childlike innocence, and you know, not not many people are talking about it, but his Buddhist training, you know, leads him to be a very different character than, say, again to contrast it, because it's a bookend. Matt Murdock, who is also kind and generous, um, and doesn't give a fuck about money,
0: but that's because he doesn't have any.
1: Well, he doesn't have any. But you know, he does all you know, Murdoch and yes, Murdoch and Nelson. They do Belson, a lot of, a lot of pro Belson. bono work. They do a lot of pro bono work.
0: They're, they're avocados who do pro bono. You
1: know, which is in contrast to uh Hogarth, who is a fucking shark. Right. Um, and I think that Danny starts becoming a little more materialistic in his in his presentation of himself after meeting Hogarth. She starts telling him what he needs to be doing. Right. In that respect. But, you know, there's... And I think he goes to visit Colleen and later um, Claire because he doesn't have to pretend to be something else around them. Right.
0: Well, that could yeah. be true. Well, and then he's... he's and And it it's a time. dojo.
1: It's a dojo, so it's, you know, a familiar, kind of familiar setting to him. Right. Even though his dojo
0: was was Chinese was
1: right. set up as a Japanese. Japanese style. You no, know,
0: it's kind of funny. I read some criticism about the uh, the kung fu and the karate and everything of the series, and the person who wrote it referred to her dojo as Bushido. <laughs> and I was like, how can you how are you writing this article when you don't even have the fucking terms correct? Yeah. So, well, there you go. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of, of ignorance coming in the criticism of this show. And I'm not saying that that a lot of the criticism is unfounded.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, because, you know, yeah, the white savior um, trope is out. At, it's past its, it's prime. Mm-hmm. If it ever was, had a prime, it definitely does not anymore and 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 I understand that, and but some of the stuff like I said that that is getting criticized is coming from this just looking for reasons to not like it
1: right well, i mean okay let's 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 talk about the white narrative or white savior narrative a little bit because it seems like even Danny rejects it after a while but he he walks away, yeah, he starts off thinking. Okay, I'm the Iron Fist, the defender of Kunlun. You know, I was chosen by prophecy, which I find interesting that no other Kunlun characters ever fucking mention this prophecy.
0: That's true. They all, it's all like tests and tests. And yeah, well, he walks out mid-training, basically, yeah. to, to go, because honestly, Kunlun does not sound like a place that you want to be. It sounds right. like kind of a shithole.
1: Right. And, you know, the whole the whole him surviving the encounter with Xiao Lao and becoming the Iron Fist, it really seems to be more set up as an accident. Right. He was selected to go into the cave, yeah. But if you look at him, you know, that scene where Davos comes to get him afterwards, and he wakes up and he's I'm like... Su- I'm surprised to find you alive. Right, you know, and, and Danny's surprised to be alive.
0: And maybe he was actually set up.
1: Yeah, go right. in there and die.
0: Yeah, well,
1: this it is a novelist. good way to get
0: get rid of our our little problem,
1: right? And you know, there's that aspect of it too, and that should that would be a narrative thread that that's kind of left loose as to actually what transpired with Danny in Kunlun, right?
0: And and we don't know. And then here's the other thing: is the 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 actual post of Iron Fist because it's a title. Mm-hmm. He's a guard.
1: Yeah. It's guard duty. He's a doorman.
0: Yeah. That's what he is. I mean, his job as the Iron Fist is to protect Kunlun from the hand. Literally. He sits mm-hmm. there like, like um, Heimdall, <laughs> and right. if, if the hand's trying to get in, he just he kicks their ass and
1: tells right. them to go. Any, anybody who tries to get into Kunlun, he he's supposed to drive them off. That's right. it. That's all the power of the Iron Fist is for. Yeah. It's kind
0: of lame if you think about it.
1: Right. Then he interprets it as, well, maybe I should go to where the hand are and destroy them and, and really kind of be that. Yeah. But he didn't really know that the hand was, was in New York. Well, once he figured that part out, he, he kind of adjusted his personal story to, okay, well, you know, I'm supposed to guard Cunlon against the hand. Well, maybe guarding Cunlon against the hand. Now that I know that I've walked right into the middle of the hand, you know, maybe it's to be, take a more proactive approach. Right. And then he says, well, maybe, you know, the Iron Fist is, crea- you know, the power is given to somebody to be a destroyer. Maybe I don't want to be a destroyer. Right. Maybe I want to be a light. But and you don't
0: get that only watching six episodes.
1: No, because that, that arc of him, you know, de- trying to discover who he is i mean that's what the show is about is danny rand trying to figure out who he is Right. well you Not, don't get
0: that until after um after madam gal basically fucks with his head
1: mhm but you you spend the entire danny rand returns to new york um you know having been told that he's the iron fist yeah um you know he goes in and every Eddie, I mean, even the beginning where everybody's like kind of talking to him because he's just wearing, you know, whatever. He doesn't give a crap, you know, and people think he's homeless. He's barefoot. He doesn't care. That's how they walk around. Right. Conlon, so, you know, everybody else is defining Danny except for Danny. Right. And that is the main story arc of this of this show is that. You know, Danny needs to be able to define Danny. And I think in a lot of ways, that's that was Claire's job is, you know, yes, she was very forceful about, you know, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. But it was always about you have to make that decision. Right. You know, and yeah, so Danny Rand really grows up over the course of the series and stops being who everybody wants him to be and tries to decide who he wants to be.
0: Yeah, he even tries to make himself a happy ending.
1: Mm-hmm. Because he realizes he loves Colleen.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: And you know is th-
0: funny because the, the first arc of his first series is um Colleen's been kidnapped and he's trying he and Misty Knight trying to get her back.
1: Mhm. Now, you want to talk about you want to talk about extreme changes in character, Colleen. In the comics does not look Chinese at all. No, she does not. Neither does her father. And she has flaming red hair. Yep. And I don't know what kind of costume that is. It's like a cross between Bruce Lee's jumpsuit in A Game of Death and the racing suits they wore in um, Cannonball Run.
0: Yeah, so it's basically like a martial arts. Well, I mean, look at, at Iron Fist's costume with the collar, right? And and the V the V neck.
1: Yeah, I am so glad that they kept him in hoodies and jeans. <laughs> Throughout the rest of it, because I mean, yeah, they did that shout out in Luke Cage where Luke Cage is wearing pretty much his iconic costume and he right. looks in the mirror and says, I look like a fucking idiot. Um, you could not do that with with the Iron Fist costume being bright green with a big yellow popped collar. Yeah. Um, The closest they got to a nod was uh, the footage from uh, World War Two. And you saw the Iron Fist was actually wearing the mask that yeah. Danny usually wears.
0: Right. And he had two Iron
1: Fists. He had two Iron Fists.
0: Well, that's the training problem.
1: Right. Yeah, he's only able to channel the power through one hand. Um, I think in some media he can do it in both hands. Some media he can do it in uh, through his feet as well. So it, I think it depends on who's writing Danny, right. As to how much power he actually has, and then we find out that the Iron Fist is for much more than smashing shit.
0: Yeah, you can heal with it as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Of course, that drains all of his.
1: Right, or does it because he's not trained to use the Iron Fist properly? Right. It's almost like he got the power and just was like, okay. Stand over there. I'm (laughs) leaving. Right.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, what either Defenders or Season 2, if there is a Season 2, shows us about this particular power and uh, Danny Rand himself.
1: Yeah, actually, seeing Fen Jones as Danny Rand being the kind of innocent and kind and really, like in the comic books, not. Acclimated to pop culture in the slightest, right? You know, I I would love to see him on screen with uh, with Luke Cage.
0: Yeah, it'll be be interesting.
1: Yeah, those two I think are going to be very funny. Sweet Christmas, sweet Christmas, enough with the crunch and munch. That's fiddle faddle, Danny. (laughs) Um. So yeah, I mean, I thought overall it was a pretty good show. I didn't like the ending. I, I thought the ending was kind of too hangy.
0: Yeah, I didn't really like the ending either. But you know what? Luke Cage kind of had that same. I think all the 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 second second Daredevil, which sucked. Luke Cage um, and Iron Fist all had those downer endings. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the the. Pre- preparation for defenders,
1: right? You know, Luke Cage, Luke Cage, and uh, and Iron Fist had the downer endings. Jessica Jones um, was kind of a mediocre, but uh, an up ending. She ended the struggle with the Purple Man, you know, with finality. Right. Yeah. There is no Purple Man returns in Jessica Jones so, unless the hand can resurrect him. Resurrect. Which you know, let's not think about that right now. Um, even even the first season of Daredevil, where he defeats the Kingpin, and you kind of get the superhero shot, uh, you know, of him up on the roof or whatever, right? You know, knowing he's around. Even that's on a higher note. So it's kind of Luke Cage ends up going to jail. Um, you know, he's triumphant, but he goes to jail. Yeah, and and Danny is and like second thrust is ripped away from. Yeah, is thrust back into this confusion. Uh, You know, the one moment he gets of certainty of what he wants to do gets ripped away from him because K'unlun spoilers is no longer there. So yeah, I think I think the show is a lot better than people give it credit for. I agree. Um, I I think it does have its problems. I I think I think the uh, cultural appropriation argument, the white savior argument are are things that, that do need to uh get discussed. But overall I think the show is 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 a good show and it's you know I think Jones Jones's Danny Rand is going to be an excellent addition to the Defenders roster. Yes sir. And with that we'll say
0: It's better to goodbye. down than bed over
1: No we're not going to say that. You said that last night. All <laughs> I right. Just well, say that. Well, good night, everybody. Wait, wait.